All right. Good to see your beautiful face again, Minister Dietra. Been a minute. Good to see you. Um, everybody else, you know who you are. Um, so let's do this thing. Um, been walking through the season of casting down imaginations. I kind of deviated away from it a couple of times during the message to just go where God would lead me, which I will always do. But I'm back on the message again. So we probably had number four or something. I don't remember. We had to change the title of a couple of weeks. But um, I have been really sincerely focused on this casting down imaginations before I go through the, to, to the prayer again. And if you guys can get the prayer up again in the chat, please get it up there. Um, I've been really seriously looking at this because I never really gave a lot of thought or focus on that scripture growing up in the word of God. Hence the statement, youth is wasted on the young, even on a young Christian. Um, I was more concerned about behaving, not offending God or getting him mad at me so he'll beat me up and cause havoc or stop my, you know, when I got past believing God wants to beat me up, you know, we still have to deal with, well, I don't want to, I don't want to, hurt my or choke my blessings out or hurt my blessings which is still a way of saying if i don't do everything right god gonna put me on the street he's gonna he's gonna take my money he's gonna make me starve it's it's still a, a a vengeful angry god that's looking for any opportunity to, to smack us around well now i don't believe he'll make me sick but he will take your money you know god ain't gonna bless no mess well if if that's not scriptural, by the way, and if that's true, if God don't bless a mess, then none of us here or ever listening is ever going to be blessed because we're still a mess in some ways. And we know we are. We know we still got some stuff to deal with yeah. and we're going to have some stuff to deal with as long as we're alive. And, yeah. and depending on who you're comparing mess to. Right. If you're comparing yourself to somebody else's mess that you can say I'm better than that, that's different. But if you're comparing yourself to God. You're a mess, you know, all the time, every moment of the day. On your best Christian day, you're a mess, okay? So it's by his grace that we are saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. Um, I know I'm not a mess, and I know I'm blessed, but I'm blessed by his covering, not by what I've become. However... dramatic pause. The mess that I am redeemed from, I'm aware of it because it keeps me focused on who keeps me. See, I, I, I've achieved some things in the past couple of months. I ain't talking about money and success. I'm talking about spiritual growth and maturity and, and just the goodness of God manifesting itself in my life as a human, as a person, some things I've matured in, in my attitude and my behavior, some things that God has put the light on me for, that before he put the light on me, I thought I was cool. Somebody relate to what I'm talking about? Before he, before he exposed me to this area, I thought I had that down. I, I, don't, I thought it was good. I mean, I had arrived somewhere over the years, but for the season that he was calling to me right now, that level of arrival was amateur. 
It was childish. People despise correction because correction sheds a light on your shortcomings. At the same time, those same people who despise correction love compliments. I will submit to you today that you should love or hate both of them equally. If you don't like correction, you shouldn't like compliments. And if you love correction, you should love compliments. See, come on, stay with me. Because see, God told me one time, blessing and cursing can fall from the same tree. A person can bless you and compliment you to build you up so that you are now dependent on their compliments so that they can use you and use the same insult to get you back in line. Got that? It's a pimp's game. I know people were pimps. They explained it to me. You beat them down and you make them feel like crap. And then every time they do what you want them to do, you give them high praise. And that's how you keep people in control. That's how they do it in school. That's how they do it in the military. That's how it works. I build you up and compliment you and give you awards. But when you down, I make sure I kick you. Because there's a behavior I'm looking for. Why am I bringing all this up? Because we have unfortunately confused our God to function in that way. Mm. We think that God's saying, when you're down, I'm going to kick you. Because the pastor a lot of times will. So I'm going to kick you when you're down. And then I'm going to tell you good stuff when you're up. And I'm going to promote you when you're up. So we'll say these things like God don't like a mess. Well, if God don't like the mess, then Jesus died in vain. Because Jesus died to save the mess. So he had to love the mess to send his son to die for the mess, which we were, so that we can be redeemed and we can be saved. It's important to understand that at your worst, God loves you the most. Wait, that don't sound right. What do you mean he loves me the most? Because that's when you need him the most. When, when, when you outside of your will, that's when you calling him. But I don't know if I believe that. Well, let me see. Maybe Jesus didn't know what he's talking about when he said to them about the woman taking um, um, the, 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 the prostitute cleaning his feet. He was forgiven much, loves much. He said, when you know you at your dirtiest, he said, the physician doesn't go to the well, he goes to the sick. All these examples he gave to say, when you are there, I am even more there for you because you reach out for me stronger. You believe and you come to the realization that you need the love of God. But God's love is not there just to put patches on you. Let me stay with I'm let me say this clear and I want to be real clear. And this message may be a little more serious than what I can be. I know I could be jovial and playful at times, but I want to drive something home today that has so much meat and matter to it that I want you to leave here changed in your opinion of yourself and in your opinion of your God and how your God sees you. I want you to understand this love of God that he says, David said, though I make my bed in hell, you're there with me. I want you to understand this God that's like, my main objective is to love you. I want you to get this. My main objective is to love you. Wow. You made me to love me. And you made me to show me your love, knowing my frailties and knowing that I would constantly mess up. How can you say that? Because the scripture says it. Before I was yet in my mother's womb, you chose me. 
You knew me. So the plan of salvation was in place before you were even created. But before the first man put his feet on earth, Christ had already, listen to what I'm about to say, died for you. He had already put that plan in motion to be so before you even breathed your first breath. So what would make you think that if he went that far ahead of time to prepare salvation for you, he's not going even further than that to continue to prepare, prepare salvation for you and your way out. Did, 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 did. All right. <laughs> this is the conundrum of a believer that doesn't know their worth because they want to know their self-worth. And you get lost. Are you listening to me? Shake your head if you are. You can get lost in your self-worth and forget that it ain't about that. It's about your God-worth. So I'm getting to the place. I don't care about my self-worth anymore. I don't care. I'm starting to get to the place that you, this one's opinion and that one's opinion. And this one, how they show me love. And this one who don't. I'm coming to the realization those things are temporal. The real important thing is, God, how you feel about me? So I'm walking down this path of these clearing these bad imagination or casting out these negative imaginations. And one of the things that's come to me as I'm studying it again is one of the most negative imaginations that we have that we can't deal with any of this other stuff until we deal with this is God's perception of us as love. His banner over me is love. God is love. And everything God does is out of love. It's not out of pity. It's not out of tolerance. It's not out of, huh, here she come again with this same old mess. Huh, what do you want now? That's not our father. Who's receiving this right now? His arms are open wide saying, I'm here for you. Tender, loving, caring. The prayers in the chat, I'm going to run through it quickly. And then I'm going to take you to our verse. And just keep in mind throughout this, as we're reading every step of this, my God loves me first. First. That, that first thing on your list every day, I want you to start with acknowledging my God loves me first. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? My God loves me first. What do I mean by that? Anybody want to jump in? You want to throw something at me since we're live? I'm so important that he'll love me first before anybody else. I like that. He said, he, I'm so important that he loves me before anybody else. I'll we'll keep that. That's good. I like that too. I'm adding that to the list. What, what did you say, Lindsay? Not my works, same thing. Go ahead. Similar, but same thing. Go ahead. No? No, you only get one. You don't get to cheat. <laughs> God loves me above what I do or anybody else. And that's a hard thing for people to grab. No, God loves us all equally. Jesus died for us individually. It's not a group deal. It's not a package event. It's not an all or nothing. He died for you. 
and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. And if nobody else was on this planet that would have accepted him, he still would have hung on that cross. If only me and me alone would have said yes, he still would have done it. Mm. So he died for me first. Everybody else, that's great. But his love for me is mine. Say that. And mine alone. And if we get God out of this group party situation, we're not a bunch of people on a cruise ship that he's watching over. He's watching over me individually. Amen. Every breath I take, every move I make, he be watching me. <laughs> not holding notes. They're not holding notes. That's, that's the sting. Sting the police. That's the least thing. You don't hold a nose for, bro. <laughs> don't even don't do this to yourself. Don't do this to yourself, Joe. <laughs> That's why I love the in-person meetings. No, um, so my point is you are individual to God. He made you one at a time. Even if you were born as twins or triplets, it doesn't matter. Each one of you are individual and you have your individual name and you have your individual seal and you have your individual relationship and there's an individual love. That's yours. Now that we understand that, I want you to, for the next month, just wake up every day just saying, God, you love me first. Then what I do and all that other stuff that I do should be motivated out the fact that I know you love me, not me trying to behave so God will love me. That's the demonic twist of it. So I got to be good for God to see me good. He sees you good through the blood of Christ. And there is no good outside of that. So he sees me good because I accepted the good he provided for me. I feel kind of a little poetic today almost, but you just have to rock with a brother. I want to, you know. <laughs> so, so listen, my God, what a mighty God we serve. I'm going to read the prayer once again, and then we're going to jump to some scripture. You'll say it along with me if you wish. Father, though I live in the world, I do not wage war as the world does. The weapons I fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of you. We went through that, but my goodness, we coming against every thought that sets itself up against the truth of God. Every religious thought, every religious lie. We're, we're, we're putting the word in place of the theories so that we can have our relationship with God. I know I trailed off, but you just gonna have to walk with me on this one. Yeah, that's powerful. And, in, and bring every thought captive and make it obedient to, the, to Christ, my God. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, Father, to bless those who have despitefully used me. Whenever I feel afraid, I will trust in you. When I feel miserable, I will express thanksgiving. And when I feel that life is unfair, I will remember that you are more than enough. Hallelujah, God. You and I, we, just the two of us, are more than enough. When I feel ashamed, help me to remember that I no longer have to be afraid. I will not suffer shame. 
I am delivered from the fear of disgrace. Are you listening to me here? I will not be humiliated. I relinquish the shame of my youth. It is well with my soul, for you have redeemed me. You have called me by name. I am in your will for my life at this time. Say that. Say it again. Say it one more time. I want you to hold that. But I'm not everything I should be. Uh, you're in his will for now. And whatever next will needs to happen is going to happen. But for right now, I'm in your will. Confess it anyway. Speak it. If you need to call those things that be not, do that. But speak it anyway. I am in your will for my life at this time. I am being transformed through the renewing of my mind. I am able to test and approve for myself what your will is, your good and acceptable and perfect will. Stop again. I am able to determine. I want you to speak that. I am able to determine what is your good and perfect and acceptable will for my life. I just don't know what the Lord want to do. Stop saying that. Stop saying you don't know. Stop saying I don't, I'm not sure. Don't speak that mess. Speak his word. I know what your will is. What do you mean by that? Well, one, the Bible says that exactly where it's quoted. But Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. If you start speaking that over yourself, you'll know his voice and stop following the stranger's voice. Speak it. Call it. I say it all the time. And here's how I quote it. I say, Lord, I know your voice and the voice of the stranger, the voice of the devil and the voice of my flesh. I will not follow. I speak that all the time. I say that. I say that. I speak it. Do I always get it right? Not all the time, but I still say it. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it until it's 100% right. I'll say it till I get before it's thrown. I'm going to speak like I'm going to cast down the thoughts that tell me I'm a loser. I'm a failure. You don't do nothing right. You know, you can't get things right with God. Nobody like you. All that stuff, you know, I'm cast that down. I take a stand and say, no, I'm in your perfect will for my life at this time. And I know what your good and perfect and acceptable will is for me. And I walk in it and I know your voice and the voice of a stranger. I don't follow. I speak it. I speak it. Keep speaking it. And the most important things after having a conversation with this person and I hear God. Say it. You know, his voice. Let me just throw this in. This is just going off topic a little bit, but not really. When God gave me that, re that revelation, that scripture, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they would not follow. I want you to listen real close to what I'm about to say. You listening? It doesn't say he will not hear. People think you don't hear the enemy. The enemy will lie. He comes as the angel of light. The key is you need to say, but I know his voice. And the voice of the stranger, I may hear, but I got the sense not to follow it because my sense inside is led by his Holy Spirit. You're going to hear the devil. He's going to talk to you. You're going to hear your flesh. Your flesh going to talk to you. 
But I say, Lord, the voice of a stranger, I didn't say, you didn't say I won't hear it, but you would give me the grace and the anointing not to follow it. Somebody being blessed right now? I'm being blessed by myself. What's the name? You say, I'm preaching my own self happy. Hmm. God. Last, last um, chapter. You have good things reserved for my future. We did that verse last week. All my needs are met according to your riches and glory. I will replace worry for my family with asking you to protect and care for them. You are love. And perfect love cast out fear. So what that really should say, you are perfect love. And perfect love cast out fear. In Jesus' name, amen. So what are we dealing with today? What are we doing today? We're going to go to Philippians chapter 4. You may need to take a breath after that. That was some powerful stuff. Um, and let, let, Let's bring it home now. Let's, Philippians 4. And I want to I want to lay down a foundation based on well I laid down the foundation but I want to teach this lesson based on the foundation that was laid. God loves you first. Nothing in the word means nothing if God don't love you. None of the promises of God mean anything if God don't love you. N nothing that you can even believe God for is worth anything. If he doesn't love you, who wants somebody to do something for them that you know don't love you? I don't want you to cook nothing for me. I don't want you to do nothing for me. I don't want you, you know, you understand what I'm saying? I don't want you to clean my house. I, if I know you don't love me, I don't want you around me. Then you need to know God loves you. And if you don't, you're not going to want him around. And that's why when we know we're at our worst or we're not doing everything we should do, we try to pretend that God ain't there watching. He is. But we don't want him around because at that moment, we don't feel that we're worthy of his presence because he's going to disapprove. And because he disapproves, he's going to dislike us. And because he dislikes us, bad things are going to happen to us. And I'm here to tell you, the scripture says, I love this scripture one time, but it's so powerful. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. God will correct you with love. He, he knows how to, I, I love when God checked me and I feel like, oh man, you loved me like that and I acted this way. <sighs> Versus fire and brimstone falling from the sky and boulders crushing me and running down the way like Indiana Jones with the big roller, boulder rolling after him. And, you know, and that's how a lot of us pitch our Christianity. We picture that this is, we're just dodging arrows and bullets and that's not what it is. We can't escape from his love. He loves us first. Philippians chapter four, based on that reality. You with me? This is so good. I love this verse. And I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you to, to the first verse. I'm going to, I'm going to read and I'm going to, I'm going to jump on is verse. I mean, so I'm going to do five or six. Uh, I think I like five. No, six. I'm going to go with six. Six is the one. Uh, okay. Let's go with six. Are you there? I'm reading from the Amplified. So it's a little more wordy, but it's necessary. 
Do not be anxious or worried about anything. What's excluded from anything? Nothing. Nothing's excluded from anything. So he just said, don't worry about anything. You know, sometimes don't worry about anything. But in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue, continue, continue to make your specific request known unto God. Don't be anxious about anything, but to prayer. Or petition with thanksgiving continue specifically to make your request known let me let me see if i see if i can get you through this one pretty quick this one's got a lot of meat in it that one verse has so much meat don't worry about anything but in every situation, continue to make your request known. Well, if you pray more than once, that means you don't have faith. He just said continue. Now, I want to make sure you get this. He's telling you to come to me continually. I've heard and a lot of you have heard that if you come to God about something more than once, that means you didn't have faith. That's not scriptural. It's taught. But it's not scriptural. If you come to God worrying about it, you didn't have faith. But talking about it again and again, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me give you something you can relate to. Got kids. And they come to you and they say, I want such and such for my birthday. I want a PlayStation. You got it. Will they ask that question again? And again. And again, and the night before the birthday, I'm getting a PlayStation, right? That's not them doubting you. That's them being excited about the promise and continuing to keep it before you. See, I just messed up a lot of people's theology. If you ask me for something and I promise to do it, and you really don't believe I'm going to do it, you're not going to ask me again because you know I lied the first time. Worrying about it and continuing to worry about it after asking him is lack of faith. But continuing to be before daddy going, so I'm going to get it, right? I'm going to get it, right? You're going to do it, right? I'm gonna get it. He's not upset about that. He said, be very specific about your request. Make note. Don't ask indefinite. That's why your prayers don't get answered. Well, whatever the Lord want, I, you know, I don't, you know, whatever the Lord want to do, I don't, you know, I just, I just have to put it in his hands. That's why you don't get any answers because you're not specific. You're, you're, you're trying to be humble, but what you're doing is you're not being hot or cold. You're being lukewarm. You're not making the decision and that prayer is getting spewed out. You, God is saying, show your relationship to me. Are you listening? By coming to me directly like we have a relationship. Then whatever you want. Well, no, whatever you want. It reminds me of coming to America. Well, what do you want to go? Wherever you want to go, okay. Well, what do you want to eat? Well, whatever you want to eat, okay. Like, you know, he said, I don't want to have nothing to do with this. 
I want somebody who has an opinion and a point of view. God created you in his image and his likeness. And you're not acting like him when you act like that. Come to him as a child who believes and trusts his father that he can have a conversation and say specifically, this is what I'm coming to you with. I leave the floor open to you to do what you see is best or fit for me because you know better, but I'm being very specific about the desire of my heart. You know, I've taught you guys. I say, when I pray to God, I don't ever take these, I stand in the name of Jesus. I say, Father, if if you be so kind, but I'm very specific about what I'm asking for. Am I helping you here? I'm very specific about what I'm asking for. I don't waver and go back and forth. Well, you know, you can get with this and you can get with that. I come to God very specific with what I'm believing him for. Then I leave the door open for his greatness to do exceedingly abundantly above what I ask, think, or dare imagine. See, I'm a scripture man. I'm going to come on down with it. So I'm going to ask, but I'm going to be specific. But watch this. It says with prayer in King James, supplication and thanksgiving. Make your specific requests known. But he gives you the guidelines, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. It's three different things here. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Let me break those down for you real quick. When you come before God, you submit your prayer. You put your needs out. Go to the supplication. That's when you sit before him and you lay out your heart. And then you end it with thanksgiving. Why are you ending it with thanksgiving? No, that's a real question. Why are you ending it with Thanksgiving? Why? Because you receive it. You're thanking him for it because you believe you receive it because it's done. See, he's telling you how to pray. Come to me with your re request, very specific. Lay down before me the situation and then don't get up from prayer and walk away without some Thanksgiving. You want to you want to know why prayers ain't getting answered? Because you're not following the guidelines. He put it right there in the Bible. When you pray, what, what are you saying? So I'm supposed to, well, let me see what Jesus said. And when you pray, believe you receive and you shall have a Mark 11, 24. So he's saying, if you pray and you don't believe you receive, you ain't going to have it. So he said, when you come before me, here's where I separate from the prosperity preachers. When you come, everything I believe they say is right except for one thing. They start telling you, you lay down what you believe and that's that. No, you come before God. He gives you the desires of your heart, submit it to him, and he'll bring it to pass. So what I'm praying for should be lined up with whatever he's already designed in his spirit for me because he knows what's best for me. He knew before I was born where I would be at this day and time and what I would need. Let me say that one more time. He knew at this day and time what you would need. He knew that. Nothing you bring to God is going to make him a, oh, wow, I didn't see that one coming. He saw it coming. He saw it coming before you saw it coming. And the provision for that was already in place before you even got there. Matter of fact, before you were even born, the moment that you're facing right now was already prepared for. Make sure you understand that. He knew you was going to get off into some illicit relationship. He knew you was going to wind up messing with drugs. He knew you was going to wind up doing whatever else mess we did. He already knew that. And he had the remedy in place before you got there. He knew you was going to wind up in jail. You, knew, you follow what I'm saying? He knew, he knew, he knew. And the solution was in place. So when you come to me, come with your prayer, sit before me and supplicate, lay it out. And then when you leave, 
don't leave without Thanksgiving. I know if, if you can't think of for anything, but watch this. If you can't say, I believe I receive it, you don't have to say that. I know that's a religious thing and prosperity thing. You don't have to say that. Here's what you say. I thank you that you love me and care enough about me that I can come before you and call you Abba Father, and I know you heard me. If I can't thank him for anything else, I want to be able to thank him that I know you heard me. I know that I wasn't just praying up to the sky. I'm not making spiritual wishes and reaching for some spiritual grab bag. When I come before you and pray, I come before you knowing and confidently that you heard me. Thank you for your time. If you can't say thank you for anything else, thank you that you heard me. Is that right? Okay, let me see. Mm -hmm. Who would be a good example right now? Oh, Jesus. He might be a good example. So when Jesus comes to Lazarus' tomb, right, he walks over to the tomb. He says, roll away the stone. He's been in there for four days. He already thinking, move the stone. Move the stone. What did Jesus' prayer say? He, right? Lord, I thank you that you heard me. Lazarus, come forth. I know you heard me. Well, when did he hear him? He didn't pray at the tomb as he was walking when he said, this sickness is not unto death. Three days, four days earlier, when he said, this sickness is not unto death. He said, God, you heard me say that, right? Yes, sir, I heard you. All right. We know what we're doing. And then when he got there, he said, you heard me when I said the sickness is not unto death. And so thank you. And Lazarus, come on up out of there. Now, I want you to understand that when the scripture says every idle word you speak, you should give account of. We use that for bad, but it's a good statement also. When you speak a word of God, it's in your will. I know it is. I prayed about it and I have a piece about it. And I think you'll handle it. He will. I'm going to give you a couple of quick examples, and I don't want to stray off too much because we haven't got a ton of time, and I want to get some more of this in. Remember, when we first got this building, there was this broken down, raggedy house with rats running in and out of it and stuff. Of course, it's a, it's a lot now. But I remember looking out the window of my office at that thing, and I said, God, we need to get rid of this building. You remember that? I didn't think about it. I just made a statement. I wasn't, it wasn't a prayer. I'm looking out my window with a building with pigeons flying in and out of it and rats running in and out of it. And I was like, this thing needs to go. I think it was two days later, I saw them painting pink lines in the street with spray paint. I didn't know what they were doing it for. I came back that weekend and pulled in and the block was blocked off. And they had that big claw thing and they were literally ripping this house down to an empty lot and taking it away. And I went, whoa, did I make somebody lose their house? Like, you know, <laughs> I, I thought, you know, I thought about it, it wasn't fit to live in anyway, but I was like, did I, did I just, wow. So funny. You all know about the house that I was believing for years ago that started this whole barrage of things in my life and this whole uh, upsiding of everything. And I saw this house and Cheryl, you said, yeah, Pop, that's yours. 
and we all believed for it. And time went on and I got a call about almost a year later saying somebody bought the house. And I said, I don't know if any of you know me saying it. I think Lindsay, you probably heard me say it. You remember what I said? What did I say? They're not going to be able to live in there. I said, they're not going to be able to live in it. I said, they're not going to be able to live in the house. The house has been back on the market now for the past six months. I just spoke to the realtor and he told me, you know, they never lived in it. They bought the house for two million, whatever. They never lived in it. They were staying it from time to time, but they never felt comfortable in it. They never moved into the house. And I was like, whoa, words are powerful. That ain't me. I bind every demon. You ain't coming in. Listen, people have been doing that in church forever, and they usually have the worst lives you can ever imagine, all that church stuff. God wants a relationship. He don't want all this religious mumbo-jumbo and these sayings that you learn from pastor, and they all get together and have little spiritual circles where everybody yelling and screaming at the devil. First of all, if you got to get into prayer circles and yell and holler at the devil, your relationship ain't with God. Oops. Some of you might want to log off right now, but it is what it is. Why are you talking to Satan? Why you got to have prayer time and get together with your prayer group and your intercessor group? And half of the time you're talking, you're talking to the devil. What the heck are you talking to him for? That's your daddy? What you talking to him for? You're supposed to be talking to God. That's who you talk to. That's Satan, Jesus said, look, we don't say anything. Just get thee behind me. Like, we don't, we don't have conversations with the devil. This whole song's about Satan get under my feet. I'm like, why are you singing to the devil? Why, why are you, why would you make a song for church about the devil? Whether you're saying under your feet, over your feet, or around your feet. Now don't even make a get behind me song. Don't make songs to Satan. He's not your daddy. You should not be having a conversation with him. I know some religious people are going to get very upset about that. So what? I do not care. You're idiots. Stop talking to the devil. He is not your focus. God's your focus. And if you spend more time focusing on God and less time focusing on what the devil's doing, you'll see more of what God is doing in your life. That's all I want to see. That's all I want to see. Huh. I could go so many places with that, but I'll, I'll, I'll hold myself. So watch this. Don't be anxious, starting all over for six, or worried about anything. But everything, do prayer. And I want you to understand, because I don't think I was clear on the prayer supplication Thanksgiving. I've been more clear in past messages, but I don't want to, I don't want to neglect this. Prayer is not telling God your problem. And if that's what you think it is, that's a mistake. That's supplication. That's when you're laying it out. Prayer is praying his word back to him or quoting the scripture to him. That's prayer, according to the Bible. Prayer is you coming to God saying, and your word says boom, and your word says boom, and your word says boom. That's prayer. Supplication, now that you laid the word down, now you can say, you know, I'm feeling pain about this. I'm going through this. My mother's going through that. Now you're supplicating. You're laying it out. And then you end with thanksgiving. So, so watch this. You listening to me? I'm about to help you out. So every quote unquote prayer session you have, it should be like a sandwich. 
You're going to like this. You start out with his word. You introduce the problem. And then you close the sandwich with thanksgiving. So the problem is sandwiched between word and praise. And then the problem is just squeezed in there somewhere. Now, if you started out with the word, you wouldn't spend so much time on the supplication of crying before God and whining. And what most people call prayer is not prayer at all, it's supplication. They have a supplication session and then they don't even say amen, it's done in worship. They just get up and cry and walk away crying. I don't know, I just hope you hear me. And, and that's the problem. He said, prayer, bring the word first. Here's how I would do it. You do what you want. If we, let's say if we broke this into a half an hour block, I'd give 10 minutes to prayer, the word, five minutes to supplication, and 30, and another, the last 15 to thanksgiving. That's what I would do. Because if you start out with the word, you ain't going to talk about the problem so much. If you put the word out there first, you're already going to be uplifted. And when you get to this problem, and we're going to walk through the book of Acts, and I'm going to show you that in action. Um, this is a powerful thing. Knowing that the power of God is valued in what you put your attention on. And complaining about your issue is not how you get delivered. Yes, talk about it. But make sure you sandwich it, sandwich it with what his promises are, and then being grateful in the end and thanking him that it's done. It's an awesome thing. And it's not that hard to be thankful if you started out with the word. Amen. Okay. So, so we got that prayer supplication, thanksgiving. Continue to make your specific request known to God. And what happens if you do that? Verse seven. And the peace of God that reassures your heart that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands God over your heart and minds is yours in Christ Jesus. Ooh. Wow. Let, let, let me read this one more time because this is it. I'm, I'm wrapping it up. This is it. This is it. Bring it home. Here it is. Don't be anxious or worried about anything. But in everything, in every circumstance, in every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving. So I broke it down, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. But this language is clear. Petition is presenting what you want. Prayer is bringing his word. Position is, petition is presenting what you want. Thanksgiving is, it speaks for itself. Continue that way to make your request known unto God. And if you do that, the peace of God, that peace which reassures your heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands God over your heart and mind in Christ Jesus is yours. So what he's saying is, if you do this in the order that I'm giving it to you, the peace that transcends all understanding How would I say that? You ever been in prayer or before God about something that was a troubling to you and you stood before him, even if you did this by accident with his word and stuff, 
And all of a sudden, this peace came over you and you just knew it was okay, even though nothing had changed. That's what this is talking about. I know everybody has done that once or twice in their life by accident. Did it? Did the formula right? It's spiritual law. It works. It's law. He said, come with the word, lay down your petition, spend your time in Thanksgiving, and all of a sudden this peace comes over you that you can't understand. All of a sudden, one of the good things I say about prayer circles, a lot of times you get somebody in there, one or two people who know the process, and they'll start quoting scripture before you start praying. And then all of a sudden you'll all start praying, and you'll start praying the word. And then you mention the, the issue a little bit, and then they ended in worship and shouting up the room. And all of a sudden, you're like, and I went home and everything was right. Yeah, because you accidentally stumbled on the formula that works. So stop stumbling on it and just do it. Just do it. I'm giving it to you right here. And if you do it, he said, a peace will come on you that will pass your ability to reason, your ability to understand, your no logic that you could come up with or make sense of it. You just feel peace. People say, and people will some come to you and you see the devil send them. So what you going to do? I, I, I trust you. I'm God's in God's hand. Yeah, but but what happened? Did you, did you get the money to pay the bill? I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I'm fine. Well, I mean, if it's anything, I'm fine. I'm fine. You have that peace that transcends understanding. You're like, I, I'm good. Matter of fact, you need to go because you're like, you're trying to reintroduce what I just got delivered from. So I need to like send you out my house or hang up my phone. Like, you know, it's, it's a time to hang up on people. You know, just, I, I believe that's a scripture somewhere. I haven't found it, but there's a time to hang up the phone on people. And when these people are starting to speak death over the life that you found, you got to remove yourself from them. That's period. You just got to do it. Like you got to protect your peace. The scripture says it like this. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. If God is speaking peace to you and people around you still speaking opposite, remove yourself from them. Turn the TV off. Don't leave the news on all day spouting one bad story after another. Turn it off. Get off of your social media looking at all these. I, I can't stand people come to me. Oh, did you see the last cop thing? And you heard it. I, I don't want to sit there and watch that all day. Then I'm going to be driving in my car expecting the cop to come up and kill me. Like, I don't want to feed my spirit with that. I don't want to feed my spirit with that. I don't want that expectation fed on me. And I said this to a group of people not too long ago that got them upset. Um, it was a mixed race of people. And I said, that stuff is put on the news. Not, and it was a news person there. I said, that's not put on the news to inform us. That's put on the news to remind us. You're doing that to indoctrinate us, to tell us that this is who we are and this is what we should expect. That's seeding. I know what you're doing. And I know you're not trying to inform us. You're trying to make us afraid. And you're trying to let us know that you, no matter how far you think you went, you're still here. Because that stuff happens every day, everywhere. When you have these news cycles, when you flood the news with that stuff, I know I'm off topic, but I'm just saying, guard your heart with all diligence. I don't want you feeding that mess into me because you're putting an image in me. I'm tired of watching these, these social media things and black women do this and black men do this and, and all this stuff is to divide us against each other. Yeah, black women, that's this, how they act. They all stuck. I'm there, and and the very black men they feel this about black women. The black women feel this about black men. And we like watch that crap. One thing after another is indoctrination. Guard your heart. I can't, ain't no good men out here. Well, of course they ain't. You fed yourself, your spirit full of it. Any good man would just turn from you and run the opposite direction. 
You fed yourself that. Of course, there ain't no good women out here. You done spoke it over your life and spoke it over your life and spoke it over your life until you have the manifestation of it. Watch your mouth. Thanksgiving, a little supplication and praise. Ain't no space for none of this social media. That word social media ain't in the Bible. I'm not against social media. I'm just telling you, watch that mess. Stop feeding yourself with all these these blogs and articles and things that keep talking about black men and black women and that. And I'm saying that because I'm black. I don't know if they do it for white people. I don't think so. I don't care. But I know they do it hard on us. Hard. Stop watching it. Stop feeding your spirit that. There's a good man, a woman out there. If it's just one, God, you know where they are. Bring them to me. I'll bring them. I'm, I'm, I'm just meant to somebody right now. But I'm going to stop speaking death over relationships and quality of relationships and quality of good people. I know a lot of good black men and they scared to death of good black women because they think they all want to be dominating and, and, and all of this stuff. And, and the strong black woman got to be this way and you got to put your 50-50 and all this stupid stuff. Stay away from this stuff. It's poison. I don't know who I'm speaking to specifically, but I'm speaking to you. So I'm pointing to the camera. If you see my finger, I'm talking to you. Watch your mouth. Watch what you're speaking. Watch what you're saying. Watch. Bring to yourself what you want. Speak life. Speak the word. Offer your supplication. End it with thanksgiving. And that's it. Get up out of there. And if you're spending more time in the other stuff than what I'm giving you right now, that's why you have more of the other stuff than what I'm giving you right now. Depending on what you're feeding yourself, out the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And once the mouth speaks it, you come to you, Bible said, you are, your life will be filled with life or death. By the life or death, it's in the power of the tongue. So it feeds your spirit, then it comes out your mouth, and then it manifests in your life. Watch your mouth, watch what you feed yourself, and watch your time before God. Treat it with respect and honor. Go before God. Don't take God's time to whine about your issues. That is not to update God on current events. He knows your mess. That's your time to fellowship, listen, to fellowship, listen, to fellowship with God. That's what that time is for. That's what it's for. Not for you to whine and cry and feel sorry for yourself. It's the time to fellowship with God. Amen.